And welcome in everybody to Sports Daily on KFH. Glad to be with you today on a Tuesday. Hope uh, hope Tommy and Paul took care of everybody yesterday. I know they did. I was bouncing around town, tuning in, and it was a uh, nice job. Nice job. Fellas, Jad Chambers producing for us. Tommy back with me here on this Tuesday. A lot to get to is we've got holiday tournaments in college basketball. So a lot of fun, a lot of exciting things happening get you ready for the weekend in the NFL. We'll have executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel, jumping on with us uh, just a little bit later. Uh, Just confirmed right this second that we'll have Tim Fitzgerald uh, coming up later this hour. We aren't with you on Thursday for Thanksgiving or Friday, so we're trying to move up some of our spots this week. So Fitz will join us to talk K-State football this weekend, trying to get into the Big 12 championship game and some K-State hoops as they have uh, what should be a really, really big game later today on the hardwood as well. So we'll have that coming up for you today. Uh, just confirmed as well, we'll move up our interview with Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul tomorrow to 9.30. We normally do that in the second hour, but KU Basketball will take us over uh, starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow. So a lot of changes with the schedule this week. We appreciate everybody rolling with those punches. You can find us on social media. Tommy and I are both uh, on Twitter, you can find us there, as uh, well as a variety of places. Tommy, good morning. How are good you? Good to see you, Jacob. I'm good. Uh, I told uh, Paul this yesterday, and I'll tell you the same thing. Um, he compliments me a lot more than you do on the show. I feel like everything mm-hmm. I was saying yesterday, he was like, that's brilliant. That's amazing. I never thought of that before. So I feel like there's something that you could probably take from that. That, yeah, that uh, that you can enjoy those times, and you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to normal here and and keep everybody on track. Uh, no, I it's it was a, it was a good weekend of sports, an interesting weekend of sports. I thought some flexing, and you guys talked a lot about the Chiefs, and we'll talk the Chiefs a little bit later. Uh, we'll talk K State football next segment as well. Kind of look ahead to the Sunflower Showdown. Um, But, Tommy, we had college hoops yesterday, so let's start there before we go football for a while. Wichita State is apparently, and this is a great news probably, fully embracing the play-angry mentality. Uh, The Wichita State unders are, like, undefeated for a while, but, man, they're playing great defense. This is – we've seen these kinds of shocker teams be very pesky, uh, and while this team sort of – you know, needs time to gel offensively, at least defensively. It looks like the attitude after the Alcorn State loss has very much turned toward a traditional Wichita State flavor. And they get a big one today. They get San Francisco. We know last year San Francisco has turned into a really nice program. They're off to a nice start. If they're anything like last year, they're going to be able to score. This will be a great test for Wichita State today. Uh, By the way, you'll hear pregame coverage over on KEYN beginning at noon today for that 1 o'clock tip. But, you know, Tommy, Grand Canyon, I don't know a lot about Grand Canyon, but I know that anytime you hold a Division I opponent to 43 points, you're in business. So let's start with the good. The defense for the Shockers, the last couple of games, is coming to that level we've come to expect with the Shockers, with Isaac Brown. That's great news because this this team's going to need that this year. You know how uh, sometimes when teams are struggling 
and they're not able to figure out a way to get out of it. A lot of times they just need a spark. They need something to change in their mentality or they need to try something completely different that is just a breath of fresh air. And that's what the Shockers did playing the zone defense. It's absolutely fooled opponents, uh, fooled Grand Canyon yesterday. And that is something that I feel like has absolutely propelled the Shockers uh, to, to where they're at right now. And, of course, we talked about at length how they beat Richmond on the road in a game that really showed their resiliency and their toughness. And then it carried on into the into Kansas City yesterday as they were able to hold Grand Canyon to only 43 points. So that's been the recipe for success the last couple of games. San Francisco is clearly at least one, if not more, steps above Grand Canyon. So that'll be a good test for the Shockers later today. Uh, but embracing that mentality, embracing the lockdown defense, uh, embracing the mental toughness and the execution, what we know from Shocker basketball in the past, that's paid off dividends so far for Wichita State. Yeah, I mean, look, they held them to 27% shooting from the field. Um, I mean, that's that's incredible. They won the rebounding battle, which is something um, that they've needed to do a better job of. They're still turning the ball over too much, uh, but you know they're forcing turnovers as well, which is good. They're going to have to shoot better. We know that. Uh, finding a rhythm a little bit to some degree. We saw uh, Pierre hit some threes last night. We saw Xavier Bell lead the Shockers, Ian, Ian Craig Porter, in scoring. That's a development. I, I don't know that we're – unless it's Craig Porter, and I still can't tell yet, but unless it's Craig Porter, Tommy, I don't think offensively there's going to be a guy consistently – that's in that double digits every night, count on it. It doesn't feel like that's coming. It feels like it'll be more of a hot hand approach, and that's okay because, you know, sometimes, and we saw this last year, when you become too reliant on one guy, it can be a detriment. So, you know, if it's a hot hand approach, but everybody's bought in and playing defense, we've seen a lot of shocker teams find success that way. And, you know, I don't know what the ultimate trajectory of this year's team is. I do think it's still way too early to decide that, but I do think that it looks a whole lot better than it did a little more than a week ago. And if they can get a win, another, you know, not home game win, it's neutral court, but if they could beat a team like San Francisco, who we know is a good, high-quality team, that's going to feel really good to wrap this thing up and get back to business and and just continue to show us that they're bought in. I They, they, they should be able to beat this team as good as San Francisco's been, you know, if you can if you can ugly this game up like they've done such a good job of in the last couple, they're going to have a really good chance. Defense plays no matter what, no matter whether you're shooting or not shooting or whatever. When you defend that way, you're going to have a chance to win games. We know that. That's been Wichita State basketball over the years and some of its most successful years. And I think you know time will tell offensively what this team is. But I think the the big question surrounding the Shockers this year, and again, I think it's too early to tell this, is what should the expectation be? And I thought that that was an, an impossible question to answer too. Entirely new roster, essentially, right? So I, I still don't know what what we should be expecting out of this team. Obviously, it's not the Alcorn State effort, but you know how good will this team be? I, I just, I think we need more time to see him play. Well, look, I, I would like to think, and I, I'm hopeful, that the Alcorn State loss from a couple of weekends ago was the wake-up call that this program needed to get back to its roots. Um, 
I think there was a considerable and honestly a fair amount of panic both inside the program and outside the program with the fan base after that loss. I mean, we talked about how it was inexcusable and unacceptable for Shocker basketball uh, to, to lose that. And I'm pleased that they have responded in the right ways. The resiliency that they showed against Richmond. Uh, don't forget, Richmond pulled within a couple or even took the lead in the second half. Uh, and then the Shockers were able to pull away and, and get the victory. Um, primarily based on their efforts on the defensive side of the court. Same thing with Grand Canyon. It was not a great offensive outing um, by any means, but defense won that game for Wichita State. Uh, going back to the offense, you know, I know that Craig Porter, and we've said this so many different times, it's, it's apparent that he's the leader of the team. It's apparent that he's the guy that for the Shockers to have any chance to get anywhere close to their ceiling this year, he's going to have to produce game in and game out. He did. Uh, he did yesterday. Um, but it, it's the pieces around him and what else, who else is there who can step up on a nightly basis. Xavier Bell did that yesterday. Um, and I don't think it's an understatement, Jacob, to say that Xavier Bell had a terrible start to the season in his debut year with Wichita State. Didn't play well really honestly in any of the games that he had been in um, limited minutes to, to an extent, even against Richmond to the point to where Isaac Brown, I think was like, look, until you break out of this, uh, we can't trust you with minutes. Uh, but he came in against grand Canyon and played really well off the bench, had 14 points off the bench and had a, a really big three pointer during a 12 0 run that the shockers had uh, to kind of put the game away. And so that's that bodes well moving forward. I've been wanting to see what he can do offensively. Jaquan Walton added 10 points and five rebounds. Uh, of course, we saw what Jamie Rojas did against Richmond. So the pieces around Craig Porter, I want to see them come into play a little bit more where we can have a little bit more of a consistent outlook on, yeah, it's Craig Porter is the leader, but we also know that these other guys, whoever they are, Xavier Bell, Jamie Rojas, et cetera, Jaquan Walton can step up uh, on a nightly basis to get the job done. Yeah, it look, it's um it just the the panic you mentioned after Alcorn State was panic because of what happened last year. And in a in a vacuum, if you lose an early game to an opponent you shouldn't even if it's at home when there's so much turnover right now in college basketball, I think you could shake that off and be like, "Meh, that's a bad night at the office." I think what created the panic is last year, right? And and some of the struggles that were there last year really coming out to the forefront this year in that game. So that's what's been really difficult to me about the last couple of weeks is trying to take this season in a vacuum. It's impossible to do it. But if we're really trying to evaluate and and set reasonable expectations, we almost have to do it. Um, but it's really hard, right? It's hard not to think about last year when you think about the Alcorn State game. It's hard not to worry that the same issues are going to affect this team that affected last year's team. And even in the last couple of wins, it sort of looks like that's going to be the case, right? This team looks like it's going to struggle offensively. It's not going to shoot a high percentage. Okay, those things are maybe correctable. I don't know. If they're not, though, and this is where the positive comes into play. If this team isn't going to be 
a high-octane team, a high-percentage shooting team, what has to happen, right? They got to play ugly. They got to out-rebound. They got to take care of the ball, and they got to just play absolute lockdown defense. They're doing some of that in these last handful of games. That's great news. That's what has to continue. I can't sit here on November 22nd and tell you what this offense is going to be. It very well may be, Tommy, what it is right now. But it could take a step forward. I I definitely think that's possible if they shoot the ball a little better. I don't know. Again, we've talked about this too. I don't know why good shooters other places are struggling to shoot the ball here. And I don't know why guys who struggle to shoot the ball here are finding shots. I understand creating offense and that being a factor into it and coaching and all these things. But sometimes guys just have to hit open shots if they're open. And and I, I still can't put my finger on why that's happening. So I don't know if it's correctable. But I do know that if they play this kind of defense, they're going to give them ch- give themselves chances to win games. And they're going to be pesky. And, and you know, that's that's what it is. But as far as expectations, man, I, still th- I just don't think we know. You know, if they can have the opportunity game in and game out to have their defense create offensive opportunities for them by forcing turnovers and getting easy looks on the other end of the court, that's going to be Wichita State's best chance uh, to to be successful this season. And I, I don't think, going back to what you were just talking about, I don't think that the panic, and I'm not suggesting that you were saying that it was, but I don't think it was misplaced. I don't think that panic was misplaced whatsoever. No, um, not at all. I, I mean, I think that there was a, there's a, there was a legitimate, thought and I think it still lingers even after you beat Richmond on the road and Grand Canyon in a holiday tournament I think that still lingers that all right is this program really on the right track I mean we're seeing signs that you know potentially they can get back to where they were before but um, I think that that was completely justified panic it was absolutely appropriate panic no question about it like we it was the appropriate amount of panic I'm we wouldn't have had that level of panic had last year not happened but Last year happened like it, it did. Yep. So that is the appropriate amount of panic. But in a no, like, again, in a vacuum, we may not have panicked that way, but we don't live in a vacuum, right? The, the past lingers greatly because last year was an underachieving season. And as the program and the university and everything are making evaluations, those things do matter. And look, it felt like panic on the outside, right? Because it was. It felt a little like panic on the inside too. Sure. Like it's not it wasn't just it wasn't just us and the fans panicking. I think everybody felt it a little bit. And it sounds like they've appropriately reacted to it. So now, okay, let's reset and let's try to get a gauge on what expectations ought to be. It's going to take some time for that. You know, maybe by conference play, we have a good feel for what those expectations should be. Maybe we get a, you know, a good feel for what you know, a middle of the pack nationally team that, you know, is going to borderline, likely borderline be a tournament team this year might feel like when we get to that K-State game, that's going to be a litmus test because K-State looks fantastic. And we'll talk about them in just a minute. But yeah, that that's where we'll be able to take it. So it's San Francisco today. Now, we don't know a lot about any team, quite frankly, this early in the season. Um, but we know that San Francisco opened a whole lot of eyes last year, right? And they're looking like they're pretty good, right? Again, this year, I don't know. I didn't see them play yesterday, so I didn't get a a firsthand look at them, but it's a good program. It's sort of like Richmond, right? Uh, We know that it's a good program. We know that there's some history there. It's not, you know, it's not some... Typical cupcake. I'll tell you what they've done this year. Um, 
you know, they've they're five and zero, so they're unbeaten. Now I don't know, you know, I don't know what that means, but they've beaten Texas Southern, who we've seen be a decent program over the years, Cal Poly, UC Merced, who I've never heard of, and Fresno State. Oh, and you and I, you and I, I forgot most yesterday they beat you and I, so they got five wins. Um, I don't know what those five wins mean because I, I, I'll always be honest with people on this show. I, I know exactly zero about those five programs that they've beat. So I don't. <laughs> You're not know doing a lot of research o- on Cal Poly, right? I don't know what five and zero means, but I do know that Wichita State's not five and zero, and then they have a loss to Alcorn State. So take it for what it's worth. A win over a five and zero team at this point in the season would be a good win for the Shockers today. Yeah, and what I can tell you about San Francisco, I had the game on because it came on right before the Wichita State game did, uh, and I had it on in the background, watched a little bit of it, and I, I noticed that in the second half, San Francisco, they were down by double digits to you and I. Um, I think it got down to, I think they were down 15 at one point in the second half, clawed back to win the game. And so, you know, I think that that tells you a little bit, probably should tell you a little bit about uh, this team has the ability to come from behind and, and win. Um, and of course they're five and zero. so it, I don't think it necessarily matters uh, really who the opponents are. It, it's tough to go five and zero uh, in five college basketball games against D one opponents when you start the season. Um, so that's where San Francisco is at right now. I think it'll be a good test for Wichita state. I think that we, we know historically more about you and I, because you know, Wichita state was in the Valley with them for a long time. Um, but I'm interested to see this matchup with San Francisco today. And I think more than anything, I'm interested in seeing if that defensive intensity can carry over from yesterday into today. And this will be the Shockers, if they can win today, their first holiday tournament championship uh, since, I think, 2013 when they played in this tournament in Kansas City back then. Wow. Um, One thing I will say about San Francisco is in a couple of their games, um, you know, they've gone over 80 points. They've gone... In the games against Texas Southern and again UC Merced, who I've never heard of, they've gotten 88, 90 points. But they sort of have lived in in the other three games they've played that scoring range we might see Shocker games get into. So probably a pretty good test, I think, stylistically for the Shockers today. Again, pregame coverage on that starts at 12, 12 o'clock. Excuse me, over on KEYN, and you'll hear it right here. Uh, on which on the home of Wichita State Athletics here at our Odyssey station. So we're excited about that. Let's switch to K-State. They played a game yesterday. They got a big football game coming up this weekend. We're going to run down our buddy Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, moving his regular segment to today as we have some holiday scheduling changes. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. I haven't got all day. 869-1240. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome in, everybody. Sports Daily rolling right along. We've moved Tim Fitzgerald's regular Thursday segment to right now because of, well, Thanksgiving. We all want to take time to stuff our faces, right? Uh, Fitz, you a, you a turkey guy? Uh, for this week, I am. I do like turkey, but um, not as much as the other meats I might put on my smoker. 
Yeah, our our family back home, and I always miss Thanksgiving now because it's busy time on the work calendar. Uh, they do now that we you know moved away and do all these. They've they've determined the tradition it ought to be making a big old prime rib roll every Thanksgiving, Ooh. and I'm just like, ooh, thanks guys. Like we appreciate appreciate that sentiment once we're you know out of town and can never come home for Thanksgiving. Um, all right, brilliant. Fitz. Yeah, it's it's really good. (laughs) It's it's good stuff. They've they've incorporated on some Christmases when I'm home and it's worth it. It's awesome. Uh, Big win yesterday. Really big win yesterday. 20 points over Rhode Island. Rhode Island may not be very good this year, uh, but that doesn't matter at this point. K-State just keeps winning basketball games. We'll get to football next, but let's start with hoops since they play today. Uh, Big win yesterday. Same old story, right? It's it's different guys. It's uh, a lot of different players can score and do the things that they need to do. I think we're starting to see maybe Tomlin and Johnson take the lead in that category. But, man, they had – what did they have? Six guys with at least seven points. Another guy was six. I mean, the, the depth here is pretty crazy. And, and I think a good thing, right? It's fine that we're not seeing too much separation. No, it's it's wonderful, and it's exactly what you want as a coach. And I'm struck by the fact that this coaching staff, on a, in a short, tight window, went out. And I'm not going to talk about the transfer portal guys because you know that's something new that that's emerged in the last few years. So it's not fair to say Bruce never did that until recently because the portal just kind of became a thing. Naquan Tomlin was sitting there on the market as a junior college player, uh, untouched for the most part. Um, And this kid is elite in his ceiling. His ceiling is so high, I'm not sure short of that recruiting class with Michael Beasley in it and Jacob Pullen in it, have we seen someone with a ceiling as high as Naquan Tomlin? He's a 6'10 kid who last night would take the rebound, bring it up the court, with a controlled dribble and either go to the rim or pass the ball like a point guard. And he's also capable of playing above the rim with incredible dunks and shooting three-pointers. This is the type of talent that Kansas State hasn't seen in a very long time. Um, And as good as Keontae Johnson is and Marquise Noel's playing at a much higher level, he looks totally relaxed and able to kind of be himself. Naquan Tomlin is going to be – uh, a really special player if he continues to develop. And we've seen that development happen over just four games. So yesterday fits 44 points in the first half for the Wildcats, and they shot over 50% from the field for the entire game. What do you attribute the offensive success to? Is it just the the talent that uh, these guys like Johnson and Tomlin have, or are there other factors that play into that? Um, no, I, it's, a, it's a lot of talent, but uh, – this coaching staff has just kind of let them go. And, and I'm not talking like run willy-nilly, but these guys could just go play. Be relaxed. Don't be stressed. Um, you know, honestly, it's been a long time. And this certainly would go back to, um, you know, even Hugs and, and Frank Martin when Kansas State was the team starting games emphatically, you know, really putting an opponent on the rope in the first phases of the game, let alone the entire first half, they've led by double digits halftime in all four games. Granted, the competition isn't great, but look, any of us who've been around K-State basketball knows that often the first half and early stages of the game would be just painful to watch because they couldn't score. 
They couldn't they couldn't build a lead. They often were behind. They'd fall behind in big holes. And that's not happening here. And this team comes out and and really gets after opponents um, because they are in attack mode. Do they have deficiencies? Yeah. They, they, their defense kind of breaks down. In fact, we saw that happen a little bit last night. And uh, they they sometimes don't attack the rim. They're not going to be a big physical defense. They're just going to harass people. They've got a lot to work on. But, again, they, too, have a really high upside that is going to be fun to see how far they can move towards it in this you know, non-conference season before they get ready for the Big 12. I just I wonder today should be a lot of fun, right? Nevada is off to a fast start. They're also unbeaten at this point, and they have some pretty nice wins. So I don't. I think the line is it's. I've seen it at five and a half, six points. So it looks like everyone expects a big game here. Um, this will be the first big test, right? Because we know Cal's not very good. This will be the test where we can really get a good look and a good evaluation. I think you feeling that way. Yeah, a little bit. Steve Alford's a coach there, and, you know, he had a lot of success in the Mountain West at New Mexico. Um, I think he's got things moving in the right direction there. Um, They are unbeaten. Uh, I watched them a little bit yesterday in that game with Tulane. Um, uh, You know, I think they're one of the – certainly one of the better teams uh, in this tournament. This is not a great tournament. Let's just be honest. I mean, this was a tournament uh, booked by the previous staff. And uh, I think they knew this was a, a tournament in which they could be really competitive. And now K-State has amped up the talent, and I think K-State should win this tournament. But uh, I, I keep warning people of this. For all the good stuff we're seeing from the Kansas State basketball team, they're going to lay some eggs along the way. They're going to have a game when they just don't go out there and defend like they should, and they're kind of sleepwalking, and they're not fully mentally prepared. Um, so that will come. I don't think it'll be uh, in this game. I think they're really focused on winning this in-season tournament title to kind of prove something to themselves and everyone else. Uh, but then again, they're in the Cayman Islands, and I'm a grown-ass man, and I would have a lot of problems focusing on work while in the <laughs> Cayman Islands. So it's, it would be hard not to blame them for be, to be thinking, Boy, that beach is nice as they get outscored by Nevada. Yeah, I, that's certainly a temptation. That's something that um, you know. <laughs> I think that I, I can I can jump on board with you on that because I would I would certainly be the same way. Let's shift gears to uh, K State football fits. So Saturday, the uh, the uh, Wildcats go into Morgantown. They beat West Virginia 48-31, 41 first half points for the Wildcats. We've talked about it at length. What this team can do offensively. Uh, man, I, I, I want to get your thoughts, especially on what we saw in the first half offensively from Kansas State. It was really impressive. And, and despite the fact that that first half, particularly the first quarter, devolved into an absurd shootout that we ne- didn't expect because the K-State defense has been playing so well. Um, I never felt like K-State was in peril in that game. I never felt like um, West Virginia, again, could outscore you know, quotations around at Kansas State, uh, as as good as West Virginia's offense did play. And they found something better with with uh, Garrett Green at quarterback. And you, you wonder why that was only explored in weeks 10 and 11 for West Virginia. But uh, they've got something better going right now. 
I, I thought Kansas State would kind of handle that game. And that's exactly what happened. Eventually, K-State got up by double digits. And, and that second half, after all that scoring in the first half, there was 13 total points. It's a, you know, the defense has started to take over. And I think K-State back, backed off to try to keep the offense on the field a little bit with prolonged drive and, and rest the defense that was getting battered pretty good by a surprisingly uh, efficient West Virginia offense. So, uh, again, K-State finds a way to win. And now this team's capable of winning shootouts, uh, which has not been Kansas State's mode of operation in the past. So that's another encouraging element that Will Howard brings to the field. Yeah, so, I mean, there's everything to play for here. After what we've seen the last couple of weeks, I know it's a rivalry game. Give me, a, give me like a level of concern about Kansas being the ultimate spoiler here. I, I feel like K-State's, going to be just fine is that unreasonable is that overly optimistic um no i don't think it's unreasonable um there's a couple factors here that have given me comfort one i always come back to this kansas state football with despite all the talent they might bring in from the four corners of the the united states is Kansas-based. This roster is Kansas-based. It's majority, even if they're walk-ons, that locker room is filled with a bunch of kids who grew up with this rivalry, knowing how important it is to mom and dad and their friends, and and they don't want to hear trash talking from their KU friends. So those guys really do an effective job of communicating what this game means to everyone in the state. But also this, I, I got to be honest, I was a little astonished at how ineffective Jalen Daniels was in his return. Now look, I think he will. I think he will be better in in game two of of his return. I think uh, he was all overly cautious with that injury against Texas. Uh, maybe he'll relax and realize that um, you know he survived game one. He'll be fine. But uh, I I thought KU would be really competitive against Texas, and it was anything but that. Fitz, what yeah, is absolutely and 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 you know Fitz, you look at the Longhorns and and they have obviously a must-win game uh, on on Saturday against Baylor. Um, they've got to they've got to win if they want to get into uh, that hunt for the Big Twelve championship. And so the the Wildcats will know they'll have an idea um, when they play on Saturday what they need to do depending on what Texas does. Right. So does that change at all the the preparation or the mentality when you know? Uh, that the team that is chasing you, they're going to play first. And so you've kind of got an idea uh, when you're playing your game. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think this team has uh, got a clear couple prizes in front of them right now. Um, and it, it isn't just about getting to the big 12 championship for this group um, because, you know, that's, that's a big prize. They have an opportunity to beat TCU if they can uh, get there. But now it's become pretty clear that if Kansas State makes the Big 12 championship uh, and, you know, does so without backing in with, you know, a couple losses by Texas in itself, that the Sugar Bowl is on the docket. I mean, if TCU wins out, they beat Iowa State on Saturday, which we all expect, um, and they beat Kansas State in the championship game, they're going to the 14 playoff. And the Sugar Bowl then is obligated to take the – the next highest ranked team in the playoff rankings from the big 12. And that would be Kansas state in all likelihood, unless the voters do something really, the committee does really something strange. Um, and then if they win the big 12 championship, 
they automatically are in that Sugar Bowl. But naturally, they won't be in the playoff, so they'd go to the Sugar Bowl. So there, there's a really clear path to an elite bowl game to play a team um, that is a brand like LSU or Tennessee or Alabama. Um, and that is really meaningful, I think, for these kids to prove that um, they can play football with the best of the best. One more for me fits here, and it has to do with next year. And I know we're not done with this year yet, but next year, with what we've seen from Will Howard, how much do you think expectations change now? It kind of felt like an all-in sort of year this year, but with Will Howard playing the way he's playing, assuming he'll come back, which I think most people do, taking the pressure off of Avery Johnson to some degree, does – does that change the expectation for next year? I, I think it has to, right? Like now we're going to have much higher expectations for next year that we might have had had we not seen this development of Will Howard this year. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, all you have to do is look north um, to Ames, Iowa, to realize that uh, how a program can drop off when it has a quarterback leave, um, an elite running back leave, an elite defender leave. Um, have some changes on the offensive line, you know, because if you're Kansas State, you have three Big 12 caliber juniors on your roster in Deuce Vaughn, Felix Andy, D.K. Ozama, and Cooper Beebe, and we expect all three to declare early for the NFL draft. Um, and I feel like Kansas State's in a position now as the, you know, the emergence of uh, D.J. Giddens um, in the backfield, Brendan Mott at defensive end, and some of these other young guys that we're hearing about along the offensive line that aren't seeing the field but are developing physically, I think K-State's going to be all right. Will they be at this level? That's hard to say. I mean, you lose a Deuce Vaughn, um, who's so dynamic in both the run and passing game, you better have a good committee coming in. Um, and K-State's still working on that in the recruiting trail. But I think they're going to be in a much better position to succeed next year than what we've seen from Iowa State, which has been – a dramatic drop-off on the offensive side of the football to the point where um, uh, it's hard to explain other than recruiting negligence on the on the part of the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, we love the incoming freshman class. I think this will be the greatest test yet for this coaching staff um, to use the transfer portal effectively to get a couple of, yeah. of high-profile weapons in there. And I think that they can, right? At this point, that's in a pretty attractive spot when you know you've got a good quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, whether that's receiver or running back or, you know, maybe a left tackle if, you know, they need to replace someone along more guys along the line. I think they'll be able to go into the portal and find those guys. And, I, and I, you know, I left out the losses of Daniel Green uh, in, on the defensive side of the ball. They're probably going to have to get back into the portal for linebackers because they hit the portal. They brought in three guys and all of them didn't really make it to the field for injuries or other reasons. So that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a spot where they're really going to have to amp it up and probably get back over there on the, on the secondary side, too, to supplement the safeties even more. Uh, they had great luck with that, and now they're down uh, two crucial safeties as we head into the home stretch of this season. All right, Fitz, well, we appreciate it, and I've got another big week, K-State, Nevada, tonight at 6.30. Um, and then, of course, uh, K-State football in primetime against KU, the Sunflower Showdown, a ticket to the Big 12 title in hand. If they get the win, they don't have to worry about anything else. A big week ago, Power Cat. What kind of stuff do you guys have going on there at the site? Oh, it's a big day at Go Power Cat. We've got 
our our free VIP day. And one day out of the year leading up to Black Friday sale, which is also started 75% off, we take the paywall down. So if you're just a fan, you want to go check out our VIP content. Today's the day. Head on over there and maybe check out that 75% deal off. 75% off deal we have uh, for Black Friday that runs through this weekend. Um, and I hope people strongly consider signing up for GoPowerCat.com. Give yourself a little Christmas present. You deserve it. You're a loyal fan. Give yourself a little November 22nd present because it's a great time to be a yeah. cat fan. Fitz, we appreciate it. At sure. Life of Fitz on Twitter. The Go Power Cat, you can find all the info you need. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Fitz. We'll talk again next week. I'm going to smoke a turkey, and we had no dogs or roosters in this episode of, of Fitz on your show. This is incredible. I don't know what if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, um, yeah, but we'll, we'll take it. All right, Fitz. Have a good one. Thank you, boys. We're going to take a quick break. I, I want to I get a little uh, Thanksgiving tradition talk here with Tommy. Overrated, underrated Thanksgiving foods. We've got Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, coming up uh, at the top of the next hour. So let's let's get a little Thanksgiving talk going here. We got to sort through some things next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. All right, Tommy, let's get down to it. Thanksgiving foods, Thanksgiving traditions. Tommy Caster's biggest Thanksgiving tradition is what? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I make pumpkin bars that are delicious. If you were to ask my wife, though, she calls it pumpkin cake because I feel like, well, at least she feels like there's a difference in the height where you get out of the bar territory and into the cake territory. I call them pumpkin bars. She thinks it's cake. It is what it is. Doesn't matter. They're delicious. Uh, okay. Yeah, pumpkin pie is one I gotta have. I look if yeah. I get if I get some pumpkin pie and some good mashed potatoes with whatever the meat being served happens to be, I'm in I'm in pretty good shape. Um, that that's that's the big thing for me. So the the other big thing for me is a bloody mary, and okay. you know you gotta have a you gotta have a bloody. Uh, on Are the you holidays, a zing zang like guys, there's got to be zing zang oh. or something else. No, no, no. I make my own. Oh, um, do you? Okay. Yeah, of the mixes, zing zang's fine. But no, I, I I home make them. Uh, it's something our family like. Everybody, it's like a contest. Now, again, for Thanksgiving, it's a little bit different. So I'm never home for Thanksgiving anymore. So it kind of becomes more of a Christmas thing. Um, and it always depends on whether I have to work, which is usually this year. I do happen to have to work, uh, so I have to make some adjustments, but. At some point in the Thanksgiving holiday festivities, I'll find one. Uh, but I, the turkey – look, I think turkey catches a bad rap too on Thanksgiving. I think I think people are – it's like this trend now to, to bash on turkey. Number one, fried turkey is amazing. Uh, number two, don't underestimate the leftover for sandwiches with real turkey. Like the the leftover sandwich portion of Thanksgiving is almost as good as the Thanksgiving portion of Thanksgiving. If you want to take offense to something on Thanksgiving, take offense to all these wacky sides sometimes. Like sometimes I think we overthink it a little bit on on everything. Are you a green bean casserole guy? 
I don't mind green bean casserole. I'm more of a, a stuffing guy. I could have a you plate are a full stuffing, of stuffing guy. Okay, oh, I love stuffing. Give me yeah, a plate okay. full of stuffing. I'm good to go. I'll even take it a step further. Uh, you said that the leftovers are almost better than the Thanksgiving turkey. No, I think they are better. Like I, would I, I do. To I, have, I do too. Yeah. I would. I would prefer to have a turkey sandwich. You know, for five days after Thanksgiving each day, than eat a bunch of turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Like I'll eat a little bit. Uh, load up with sides and rolls and, you know, all that stuff. But then give me the leftover turkey sandwiches for days after the holiday is done, and I'm a happy guy. I just uh, found out I have high cholesterol again. Now, I've had high cholesterol oh. before in my life and was able to get it down by eating a little better, but it's back. So I'm really struggling with how to approach Thanksgiving this year. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be. Brutal. You only live once. You only live once. Yeah, but I'd like to extend that life a little longer if I can. Um, <laughs> uh, I, but maybe I'll take a – maybe I, I just started this. I, like I literally found out a week ago. Well, not even a week ago. Yeah, maybe about a week ago. So I've got to decide like uh, maybe I'll just pretend like I didn't find out until after Thanksgiving because uh, what difference would it make at that point? I don't know. You could jump it, on board with uh, like you know one of those – uh creations that is you know a turkey but it's not really a turkey like the tofu turkey like you can no. do something like that no we won't um, be doing that no turkey's you know, fine turkey's go, not gonna hurt my cholesterol know. Turkey's you fine. could go vegan for thanksgiving if you wanted to. what no i listen i grew I'm up trying to come up with solutions for my you, family man. my family are problems are, i'm giving you solutions i come from a family of like cattle ranchers that that what you just said i can't happen like it will never happen i never go back home and, and I don't think it tastes very good either. No offense to anybody that partakes. It's just not my cup of tea. Uh, but, yeah, okay. All right. Well, you eat all the stuffing. You cranberry sauce guy? Surely not. No, not a cranberry. Can yeah, I give you one I, more, though, that I am a big fan yeah. of? Uh, I'm, I'm on board with you with the pumpkin pie. But my whipped cream to pumpkin pie ratio, it's got to be basically a plate full of whipped cream. Oh, no. See, I'm a little – I like just like – I'll take the whipped cream dollop and just like slide just slightly mm. enough over the top of it. The crust, to me, is the best part. you got to have a good crust. All right. I uh, hope everybody is getting ready for a big, fat Thanksgiving meal, enjoying the family, however it is that you do it. I uh, hope it's a great one. We're going to come back. We'll talk a little Chiefs football. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joins us next on Sports Daily. Sports Daily.